And so we do have a prayer team that comes after church. If you'd just like to pray or talk to somebody, we'd love to um, just spend time loving on you a little bit. That's available. But uh, how many love God's Word? I love the Bible. Amen. And one of our core values at our church is that we really honor God's Word, and we believe it's the absolute truth. Is that right? And so that's one of our core values, but we love the Word of God. Uh, in Matthew chapter 19, and just want to spend a few moments, I know that's Mother's Day. I wanted to say a happy Mother's Day. My mother's not here. We celebrated it yesterday, but I do love the mother of my children. She is amazing. She works hard, tirelessly, and um, I love her. <clears throat> Amen. And, uh, but last week, we did talk about singleness. We talked about that, and we talked about being single, being one. And so um, then after church, we had our marriage class for the first one, and that was great. That was wonderful. We have, uh, I think there's five couples getting married. Um, technically, there's six. One already got married. And then, so we have five more um, coming up. And yeah, it's busy, and it's great. Amen. And, and so we're excited. And something that jumped out at me and when we were sharing this marriage class, I want to share today. And let's just read the scripture, and we'll pray. And ask the Lord to bless us today. Matthew chapter 19, um, if you'll just turn in your Bible or click in your device. I'm going to start in verse 4. And this is Jesus actually answering a question. And he was being questioned on the subject of marriage and divorce and and relationships. And um, one of the things I love about this scripture brings a tremendous truth out that I want to share with you today. In verse 4 of Matthew 19, Jesus said, Didn't you read that at the very beginning the Creator made them male and female, and Jesus said, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother, will be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so there's no longer two, there's one flesh, and therefore whatever God has joined together, let no one separate. Father, we just thank you for the, your word. We thank you for this time of being together. Thank you for the visitors today and those just joining us uh, online. We just pray that you're going to continue to move in their life, move in uh, our lives in such a way that we'll just be able to say, God has touched me today. Lord, we pray that, that your word would just have a way of just igniting life in us today and faith. And so we give you the honor and the glory and just the time to take to, to share, Lord, your word. I pray, Lord, you would just think through my mind, speak through my lips, Lord, that everyone be encouraged in their faith. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And so as we talked about this, we mentioned last week, and we looked, talked about something that's a lot, uh, many times overlooked, and that is singleness. And we talked about that. And, and it was one of those things that, that I feel that, that um, this is something that may not be overlooked, but maybe is just a little bit more silent. And that is being married, being one. And that is spiritual oneness. Uh, together as a couple and everybody last week was you know oh man I'm so glad you talked about singles and we used to talk about marriage well today I'm talking a little bit about marriage and so you're going to have to like hold on, on about that and you're just going to have to you know bear with me but I, I believe that as we looked at the scripture here in Matthew chapter 9, 19 Jesus actually quotes from Genesis chapter 2 he says it again Mark's gospel records it and then Paul preached about it in, Ephes, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 and one of the things what we see and so many times it maybe is a little bit misunderstood, especially before marriage, and that is this idea of a kind of oneness in marriage and this spiritual oneness. And for really, I just want to say at one time, I may not... Uh, kind of say it a bunch, but it's really spiritual intimacy, and this is what the Bible teaches us, and that we are one when we're married, and that we can not just be one, but we can grow together in this spiritual oneness. How many believe that, right? And so many times we don't look at it like that, especially before we're married, we look at it like the physical oneness, but how many know God brings us together physically and also spiritually? 
Amen. So I'm just going to share a little bit about that today. And, and of course, at the end, honor moms and, and uh, we'll, we'll get through this. But being one really is, if you're kind of taking notes or writing this down, is being one is really the joining of two lives in marriage on a faith journey together that lays the foundation for a healthy relationship. And so being one isn't just something that, okay, we live together now and we're going to have kids together and we're just going to do this thing and see how it works out. But there's actually a spiritual union. How many believe that? That there's actually something happens unique and God brings two people together and, and, and the Bible says that two become one. And I believe that together we can honor God in our lives and our relationship. Let's look back at our text and the scripture for a minute. And this word join means this inseparable union. Uh, one translation says, firmly bonded together. When God joins people together, how many know there's a firm bond there? There's a strong bond, and then when God does it, there's an inseparable union. That's why at the end, God, the, the Bible declares here, and, and God declared in Genesis 2, He said, don't let anybody separate. Uh, one of the translations I like in verse 5 says, for this reason, as Jesus said, uh, God created male and female. For this reason, uh, God made them to be a uh, really a complementary pair. That's God's intent. Verse 6 in another translation says, Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. And uh, I love that. How many know the Lord puts people together? Amen. And when people get together, there is this oneness. And uh, so many of you have been married for so long and you understand, you can tell it better than I could, about being one. But I just wanted to share some thoughts on that. But one of the things we have to look at, as I just want to share some principles from, from this scripture, one of the things we need to look at, uh, a couple things from the very beginning, is that number one, God always speaks to us as an individual first. How many know that spiritual union starts as an individual first? Is that right? And then, here's what we don't understand a lot of times. Spiritual union, actually, and, and this oneness starts before marriage. It actually starts before marriage. Why? Because when you're one with God, amen, how many know you're, you're one plus one equals one? And you're coming into a marriage, amen, complete in the Lord, as we talked about last week. And you're coming in with this awesome, dynamic relationship with God. We hope. Amen. Right? And so how many, how many have ever thought about that? That really oneness begins before we're married or before I'm married, when I'm one with the Lord. And so that's very important to understand as we share these principles. Let's look at spiritual oneness really as the Bible teaches us, or spiritual intimacy. Uh, as we really read from the very beginning, it's God's design. It's God's intent. And, and one of the things that we see is that he's, he uses the word one flesh. Later on, he uses the word one heart. And there's this, there's this union that God talks about that is, again, physical. Um, how many believe that there is this physical oneness? There's this intimacy. There's communication. There's this emotional oneness that we grow into. There's family, right? How many know you marry the family, right? Finances and friends. And, and uh, we, we had fun talking about that last week, about your expectations coming into marriage and then how you're marrying into a family. Boy, that's interesting, isn't it? And, um, and there's that oneness, right? Amen. And some of us still haven't got that figured out. But, but there's also that spiritual oneness where two people with faith, towards God or, or a faith come together. Uh, there's this worship and this practice and these gifts and callings that come together. And, and the Lord uh, really joins us together. He pairs us together. And the Bible says that we can be one. And so um, th this is a, something that I thought about is the overview of this is a, how we view it this, as we look at this a lot of times. And that is, we look at it, a lot of couples look at, uh, you know, I want to say religion, for lack of a better term, or spiritual oneness or spiritual intimacy, as really kind of a, a agree-to-disagree type issue, 
well, we're just going to agree to disagree on this. And so we'll live in peace, and, and she'll do her thing, and I'll do my thing. And, and then, but how many know there's something that happens in a marriage called children that brings you to a place of what are we going to do now? <laughs> right? And so I believe you've got to have it figured out before that. And so this is one of the things that we're going to talk about is really, so couples really need to learn to invest in spiritual intimacy or oneness in order to make it a strength and not a strain in their marriage. And so one of the things is that I believe that, well, it is, it really is, as you look at statistically, is that this, this area of religion, and uh, re- I'm just say religion for lack of a better term, is still one of the uh, kind of the highest reasons or w- purposes or whatever that people get divorced. Did you know that? So people still get divorced or separate or disagree or have fights and conflicts because of religion. You realize that. It's still a matter of contention with a lot of people. And uh, so it's important that we walk together as one. And I believe one of the main, or a few of the main reasons that people, there's conflict in marriage about religion and about faith is there's a lack of a deeper connection in the cup, between the couple. There's just this lack of deeper connection. How many have ever seen that? Maybe you experienced that. There's just, you know that there needs to be a deeper connection, but because there's not a oneness in faith or an agreement or whatever, that, that you kind of just lack this, this depth, right? I believe it's one of the reasons. And there's a lack of value. You just don't value, um, you know, religion the way that somebody else has or faith that somebody else has. You don't value church the way other people do or the other person does. And so there's a conflict there. You just feel like, I don't need to go to church, or I don't think it's important, I don't think faith is important. But again, when children come along, there's that discussion, isn't there? And so there's also this lack of strength in each other, and with each other, and in your marriage. That I see that when people have conflicts about faith and religion, there's a a lack of faith in in your relationship and strength uh, there. And so how many believe that when we're together, we walk together as one, there's a strong connection. There's a stronger connection. There, there's a great value that we place on one another. How many believe that? There's, there's a, a, a strength that we have uh, between us. And so um, I, I just wanted to bring that out because a lot of times we don't say, well, why are we fighting about this? Or why do we have a discussion about this? Or why are we struggling in this area? Well, we realize that there's, there's, a, there's a lack of connection and there's a lack of value and there's a lack of strength. And so, you know, but a lot of times um, the way we view a spiritual oneness or spiritual connection in marriage or growing in our faith together, it's viewed as a few things, a weird infusion. Okay, it just happens and it's weird and it's it's strange and or it's insignificant. It's just like this unimportant issue that we don't need to really talk about right now. Or it's a silent expectation. I just expect us to go to church. I just expect us to do this. I just expect us to raise our kids this way and teach this and believe this. And how many know there's times where couples that they, they grow together and they're married. And then when they have children, all of a sudden they start talking about things as well. I don't believe that. Well, I don't believe that. Well, I disagree with you. Well, I disagree with you. <laughs> and how many know there's conflict there and there's division there? But I, I, I don't believe that, that the spiritual oneness has to be weird. How many, how many believe that? It's not weird, okay? So when, when I talk about this, maybe you get this picture in your mind, the spiritual intimacy or spiritual oneness. So maybe you get this, that you are in these you know, yoga pants together and you're in this room with candles and you're putting your hands together and doing this mantra and this chant. That's weird. And that's not how it happens. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Or you come down, and the, you know, pastor lays hands on you. I anoint you to be together and spiritually. Ooh, that, that's weird. That's weird. You know, um, 
But how many know there's something that's a little bit misunderstood on our part? You know, it kind of reminds me of the way people feel about the Holy Spirit sometimes. Speak not, forbid not. And that's how they face faith and religion and their relationship. It's like, well, if we don't talk about it, we don't have to work, we don't have to deal with it. But how many know it's an important issue and it's a, it's a foundational issue in a marriage, isn't it? And so why is it that we kind of just kind of skip over it? But I believe the Bible teaches us, wow, it needs to be important, and it's something that we can apply on a very, very easy and very daily basis. And so not only is it there our view, but this is just, I have to say this, again, what spiritual intimacy is not. It is not weird, it is not insignificant, and it should not be a silent expectation. It's something that needs to be communicated about. Something We talked about this with our pre-marriage class. You really got to talk about things. I mean, people come into marriages with this expectation about finances but how many know you got to have a conversation about money before you get married amen you got to have a conversation about your family before you get married you got to have a conversation about faith before you get married amen whoever heard of a couple we ignore these important issues and we just live kind of romantically fall into this place of oneness well it just doesn't happen and you've got to have these conversations. And so it's not something that it's something that work its way out or work itself out in our marriage. It's something we have to work, walk through. It's something that we have to talk about and be aware of. And so I believe it's important. It's not this, again, it's not this, you know, we're one to this metaphysical, mystical, oneness, you know, mind, body. It, it, that's weird. It's not that. But it is really something very simple. And I just want to give you three things that really it is. Before I do that, I want to just have to say this. I feel to say this. Oneness is not sameness. It's not like two pair. It's like a pair of socks. How many know that's sameness? We're identical pair of socks. That's weird. That's like marrying yourself. Okay, you just don't do that. You know, you're two different people. You got two different styles. There's an old saying that says opposites attract. Right? But how many know they got to figure out how to live together, right? So, but there is this thing. We're not this pair of socks. We're identical. But oneness is not sameness. Aren't you glad for that? Oneness is, is as the Bible t- talks about, it's like two ingredients coming together to make something beautiful. Amen. And that's what it's about. So I want to share three things with you um, just on this subject today about being one. I think that really as I thought about this and what the Bible teaches, I really kind of broke it down to three things. I know you can talk about more. Um, today's Mother's Day, and I don't know what you're having, but I'm sure you're very hungry. And, uh, but three things. Number one, it's honor. Number two, agreement. And number three, direction. And how many know, again, it's, it's important to bring these things into marriage. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I really felt and, and thought carefully about what I was bringing into our marriage. I really thought about that. I thought about who am I and what I'm going to do and, and how, who I'm going to be and, and what's going to happen. I, I really thought about it. I knew that honoring God was so important. How many believe that agreement is important and direction is important? And so I just want to share these principles today. That Really, honor is so important, isn't it? And I just want to go through this. That It's really, this is what honor is. It's two individuals coming together and making decisions that show love and honor for God and for one another. Amen. And how many know one of the things that you very, the very first thing the Bible teaches us to do is honor God first, right? How do we honor God in our relationships? So I, I believe in our lives. I believe that we need to recognize that he's God. Recognize the Lord in your life. Recognize that he's the creator. Recognize the Lord. And just, that's a, that's a good start. Amen. How do I find somebody good to marry? Well, find somebody that recognizes God. That's a good start, isn't it? Amen. How many know you're going to struggle with somebody that doesn't believe in God, that doesn't believe in the existence of God, or that He's the Creator, or believe that there's three gods, or eight gods, or ten gods? You're just going to have a struggle about that. At least you're going to have a good conversation. Uh, you know, 
how about you honor the Lord? You can honor the Lord in many ways. You trust the Lord. That's a very important quality, isn't it? To trust the Lord and then to live by His Word. How I many you know it's not just good enough for someone to go to church? They really have to live it. Amen? Amen. Some of you were with somebody that they just went to church. They didn't really love God. They just went to church. And then after you got married, you found out how shallow that was. And so it's very important to honor the Lord. And so, again, as individuals, we honor the Lord. And as a couple, and then as we see to other people. Last week, we talked about 1 Corinthians 7, and we brought some truth out about that. But in 1 Corinthians 7, it also talks about if you're married to an unbeliever or if you're joined to an unbeliever, how you, how you have to behave yourself. You know, how you have to really kind of show the character of Christ. How you need to really live it. You can't just say it. You can't just preach to somebody who doesn't believe. Come on, somebody. You're here not because somebody preached at you, but because you believe for yourself. Is that right? Somebody might have told you about Jesus, but you had to believe it for yourself. And so it's the same thing. Amen, that we, we do. And so we honor one another. We honor God and we honor one another. And, and there's this personal profession of faith and there's this individual response to God first. There has to be this individual response to God first. How many of that's important in spiritual oneness? Spiritual unity starts when I respond to God by myself, for myself. I'm not just doing something so I can get married to that person or impress that person or just so that person wants to be with me or because they're available. I want to love God with all my heart no matter what, no matter who I'm with. If I'm with anybody, come on somebody, it's all by myself. I'm honoring the Lord. And so honor is just really another definition of love. It really is. I love God so much I want to honor Him in every area of my life. I love that person so much that I'm going to honor them and I'm going to do what's right no matter what the risk is or the, come on, the cost. I'm going to do what's right because I love them. And I like this principle that if marriage really is like Christ in the church, then the greatest focus is our union or our unity, right? Come on. It, it, the Bible says that marriage is like mystery and it's, it's just that mystery. And I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's that mystery of Christ and the church. And so if that's the case, then really our focus is to be our union together, our unity. And that is unconditional love and unwavering honor. How many, how many believe in unconditional love? How many believe that needs to be in a marriage? How many believe in unconditional respect? Unconditional honor. I believe that too. Amen. And so not only do we have this honor, but we also have agreement. What does agreement mean? And it really simply means that union of your faith in God and the pairing of your actions according to the Word of God. So I, I'm, again, I'm walking with the Lord by myself, and then I'm coming to this, this agreement with somebody. What does that mean? Now, some people believe that agreement means that she does whatever I say. That's not agreement. I want you to try it sometime and get back to me on that. She says yes to everything. How I many know that's not agreement? Well, he does whatever he want, I want him to do. That's not agreement, right? Just saying, yeah, that's not agreement. That's, that's really not what the Bible says. And we, we, yet we come into these relationships with these perspectives. And, but really it is, it's a partnership. It really is a partnership. That's what it is. It's agreement. It's a partnership. It's a joining together, not a collision. <laughs> For a lot of marriages... It's a collision. But the Bible says it can be a partnership. It can be a joining together. It's these three things. It's connection, compatibility, and a choice. Right? 
Is that what it is? It really is. And I'm not going to get into those this morning, but agreement. That's what it is. It's agreement is this connection. So we make this agreement. Okay, I respect you. I honor you. I'm listening to you. I value what you have to say. It's that connection. It's that compatibility that we're kind of going in the same direction. We're believing kind of the same thing. We're, we're right there. We're, we're kind of close. And then that choice to love, honor, and respect the other person more than you do yourself. That's a connection, compatibility, and a choice. How many know a question you need to ask before you're married is, are we spiritually compatible? That's a good question, isn't it, right? And, you know, because why? Because it's of God. It's a spiritual work, but it's also a physical work, so it takes us. Amen. So we just want to throw that out. And so why do we need that, and when do we need that? I, I just kind of jotted these three th- things down, and I went off on the seas today. So we talked about connection, compatibility, and choice, and I also, also went off on the seas on this one. So when do we need it? When do we need this, this oneness? When do we need this agreement? When do we need to walk together in agreement? Well, number one, in a crisis. We've got to walk together in agreement. How many know there's so many things, you know, as you've been married a long time, you went through crisis. Your family crisis, you went through a job crisis, financial crisis. And how many know you had to be in agreement? You had to walk together, didn't you? Amen. And that's what makes so many relationships so strong and lasting is that they've been through crisis together. The second thing is, is conflict. You've got to learn how to get through that. You've got to work through that. There's no marriage that's actually conflict-free. There's no such thing. It's just no such thing. Amen. And so the other thing is, is children. When children come along, you realize, wow, we really need to be on the same page. We've got to be in agreement about a lot of things. Amen. My wife, you know, wouldn't let me pick out a lot of the kids' outfits because I would just like put anything together. So we weren't on agreement on that and it didn't really matter. But we were in agreement on what we were going to teach our kids. What they were going to see us do. We were in agreement about that. We were in agreement about certain things. How many know what I'm talking about? So when it came to children and then when it came to church, there's the fourth C, when it came to church. And I believe that healthy communication and conflict resolution need to be something that we really work at. And this is part of spiritual oneness is healthy communication and conflict resolution. So I believe on, and I've seen and, and I've just was teaching last week, many marriages believe that conflict resolution is having the last word. That's not conflict resolution. Amen. How about, how, about, how about people that believe that conflict resolution in marriage is whoever yells the most? I mean, that's not conflict resolution. And then, then, then there's a final one that I've seen a lot of people, they believe that conflict resolution is just leaving the house. I mean, no, that's not conflict resolution. But you've got to work through these things. And you've got to desire. At the very end of everything, you've got to have the peace in mind before you get there. Amen. So in other words, when you start having these crises and conflicts and you're going through these things, you've got to have peace in mind first. I mean, that's, that's really good. Amen. Why? Because then it's not about winning and losing. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about we've got to have peace in this relationship. We've got to come to agreement. How many ever believe that? Amen. Many people believe coming to agreement is when they agree with me. That's not coming to agreement. It's a partnership. Amen. It's equal ground. And, and, so, and also, not just should you look at having peace in mind um, as, a, as an outcome or a goal, but also the protection of the relationship. Many people are so willing, by their words, they just want to rip somebody apart. They're willing to destroy the relationships just so they can look good, feel good, or be right. I mean, that's not good. That's not good. Amen. That's why the Bible teaches us about our, our tongue and holding our tongue and, and don't saying what we want to say because we, we've got to have this agreement between us. And if I say the words that I really want to say or feel like I want to say, I could destroy this degree, agreement. I could break this thing. I could breach this agreement. And how many know our heart needs to be, I want to keep this agreement tight. 
Amen? So not only do we honor, do we walk in agreement, but also there is direction. Let me just explain this by three things. And that is direction is kind of living and growing together by love. That's what direction is. That we're living and growing together. That we're not just, you know, kind of... Uh, using each other and what you can get out of it, but we're living and growing together. Amen. And so, how I many know you, you don't marry someone for what they can be. You marry for them, them for who they are. And that you love them for who they are. And you love them for what they do at that moment, not what you want them to be. Well, someday you're going to be, we're going to be wealthy and you're going to do this, and so I love you because of that. No, you love them for who they are right now. And you live and you grow together by love. The second thing is about direction is it is about principle. You're guided by principles. These are principles we live by. Is that right? Come on. Right? We're guided by principles. How many know if I came into your house and I talked to you a little bit about your relationship, I'd find out really quickly that there's principles you live by. There's a lot of good, strong principles you live by. And some of them you've you've really had to discuss and work out and other things, we just do it. You just kind of like Right? Come on, you just forgive, you just apologize, you just are kind to one another. These are just principles you live by. And uh, this causes the direction in your relationship. And so I believe that it, with every uh, goal in our lives, we have to have a plan to get there. And so a lot of times, if people don't live by principles, they'll never get to a, a happy, successful marriage because they don't have that goal in mind, right? Hope that's clear. Principles we live by. This is direction. And you are really determined by what you believe and what you practice. Let me just read you a couple things as we're winding this down. And that is, honoring God and another person start before marriage so that it becomes stronger after your marriage. Spiritual compatibility is measured before you're married so that your decisions move in the same direction after you're married. Growing in your faith starts before you're married so that you have something strong to offer somebody else after you're married. Amen? That's why it's important about direction. And one of the things that we, we really talk about you know, with couples with direction and growing in our faith is we talk about the, the temptation to judge one another. We talk about the temptation to criticize one another, to push one another into spirituality. Come on, somebody. Amen. To push somebody into growing in their faith. How many know you can't do that? This may be a spiritual union, but you're not the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so a lot of times we find ourselves doing that. We find ourselves comparing. Well, you need to be like this guy here. I love this preacher, and you need to be like him. Or I really think that we need to be like this really good couple here. Are we? Come on. How many know you can't do that? And that's tempting, isn't it, in some relationships at some times. And we can't do that. Why? Because it erodes a relationship. It erodes that direction that you're going. It erodes the direction God wants it to go. It, it no longer becomes organic. It becomes forced. How many know you can't force somebody to change? Can't force somebody to love you? Amen. You have to be loving in order, and then people will love you, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. And so I believe that really this is about the Lord, and this is about the principles that we live by. And the third thing about direction is the product of us. That's what direction is. It's the product of us. It's the product of our marriage, the product of our relationship. First of all, with God and then one another. It's whether we're praying together and talking about the Lord together. Man, that, there's a good product there. All of a sudden, we have, it strengthens our faith. It, it really encourages us. There's times where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I have one thing. I'm frustrated about something. She has all peace and she's calm. And there's other times it works the other way. And then there's other times where it's just like I'm completely down and I'm really low and my wife lifts me up. I mean, there's just that product of our relationship. Amen? And that's a product of us. How many know there's direction in that? 
And when you began to really encourage one another in the Lord, and you began to allow the character of Jesus in your life and in your marriage, then all of a sudden you see that there's the power of Jesus in your life and in your marriage. That's a product. And how many know the, the power of God in your marriage brings this awesome product of God in your marriage. I love that about direction. It's the product of us, where we've been, where we're going, what we believe, the principles we're living by. This becomes a product. And other people, as the Bible says, can see this and they can say, that's love. Wow, you guys really have something there. You must be really God-fearing people. And how many know that's a sign to unbelievers? A good marriage is a good sign to unbelievers. Amen? And so I love that about the things of the Lord, that God just doesn't do it for ourselves. He does it for himself and other people. Amen. To bring glory to himself. Amen. And so really, uh, just finishing up this part of direction, is that really going in God's direction becomes the inner strength of our relationship when the storms of life come up. That's the inner strength. That we can really have this inner strength. We can stay together. We're not going to run. We're not going to, we're not going to you know, destroy each other. We're not going to hurt each other. We're going to stay together and we're going to be strong together because, amen, the direction that we decided to go. Amen? How many want to go God's way? Yeah. Let me just finish this up by sharing an overlooked example, a married couple in the Bible, Mary and Joseph. How many know they're kind of overlooked a lot of times? We only talk about them during Christmas. And in fact, I, I thought of some Christmas carols as I was reading the story again. Because I realized, wow, I only read the story of the birth of Christ around Christmas. <laughs> Come on, some of you are guilty as I am <laughs> about that one. Amen? Unless your, your app has that for the daily devotion, then you read about Mary. But you know, this is actually an overlooked couple. This is actually an overlooked, wonderful, amazing marriage that sometimes gets overlooked in their relationship with one another. We just think, well, they were God's choice, and they had to do what God wanted them to do, and we just honor them at Christmas, and that's it. But listen, both of these uh, couple, both these people, Mary and Joseph, actually had a legacy and heritage from David. Both of them came from the lineage of David. Joseph had the royalty of David. Mary had the physical line of David. And they had these things in common. And they came together, and in the, it doesn't say how they met, but I would assume that their families knew each other, and, and uh, they kind of hung out, um, you know, when they were in youth group there at the synagogue and hung out together and saw each other there, and, and, and there's just that relationship. But there's something amazing about these two people I want to end this with today. And that this, and I'm not going to get into a whole lot, but just, just mention this, and that really what's overlooked is this spiritual maturity that both of them had. There was a spiritual connection that both of them had and this compatibility that they had. It was so amazing. And look, Joseph, look at Joseph's life. If you read, uh, the only accounts we see are Matthew and Luke, but of these two together in the very beginning of their marriage and their relationship is you see this about Joseph, his love for God. You see this overwhelming, strong, powerful love for God. He valued God's presence. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph three times. He valued God's presence. He trusted God's word. He believed God despite the risk. He believed God. He followed the ways of God with all his heart. The Bible says he was a man of stern principle. Being a man of devout faith, the Bible says, our stern principle. He followed the ways of God with all his heart. And then what I love about Joseph, he, he had this amazing respect for Mary. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, Joseph decided to break the engagement. He heard that she was pregnant. I mean, you know, that's pretty shocking. 
And he's just shocked. And he's like, what in the world? And the Bible says that he planned, he decided to break the engagement, but to do it quietly because he didn't want to make publicly disgrace Mary. That's respect, isn't it? He respected her. He loved her. He, he just didn't want to make a public spectacle of her. And, and the, but the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared and said, don't hesitate to marry her. You've got to connect with this woman. This is, like, this is like my plan for your life. And how many know that he just said, okay, God? I don't know. Sometimes the best thing to do is just say, okay, God. But anyways, he respected Mary. And, and, and I love this. Want further, if you read it, it says that, that he didn't have relationships with her, intimate relations with her, until after Jesus was born. That's how much he respected her. That's a lot of self-control, a lot of respect. Amen. And the Bible says that, that he was more concerned for her well-being than his own reputation. And he, you know, and again, so I love this about Joseph, and a lot of us don't. And, and, I, and I just got to throw this out. He had a job. He paid taxes. That's pretty good. Let's, let's not get into that one. We already talked about uh, work. And, uh, but some people need to hear that. Amen. That was amazing about it. He paid taxes. Now look at Mary. She honored, the honor for God was amazing in her life. She honored the Lord. The Bible says that her nickname was Handmaiden of the Lord. I mean, she really honored God. She loved the Lord. She was humbled by what God said to her. And she worshipped God. That's what the Bible records. She, she, the very first thing she did was worship God. She loved to worship God. She loved His presence. She understood the impact of God's will in her life. She didn't say, oh, I'm pregnant with the child of God. I'm not, aren't I special? No, she said, wow, Lord, you've done this for our nation. She understood the impact of God's will in her life. And the Bible records that she trusted the Lord above her feelings and her understandings. She didn't understand what was happening. In fact, twice it says Mary kept these things in her heart. She didn't get it, but she trusted God above everything else. Her love for Joseph. I mean, she respected his decisions. She trusted in his listening skills. I mean, no, that's, that's a powerful woman right there. Amen. She stayed with Joseph in the face of uncertainty. She adapted and made a, man, a manger into a nursery. She just, she loved God. She respected him. She, she honored Joseph. And why? Because they honored the Lord. They came into an agreement about God's will for their life. And they paired together. They joined together. And eventually became one flesh. And they honored God in the relationship and they, this direction that their life took was amazing because they practiced honor, agreement, and direction. Think about it. Together they were engaged to be married, the Bible says. They dedicated their child to God. Come on, that was a godly home, wasn't it? Why did they do, why did they do that? Well, they did that after because everybody in the church did that. and That's what you just do as a Christian couple. No, they did it because long before they were married, they dedicated themselves to God. They dedicated the will to God. They dedicated their future to God. And that's the kind of person you want to marry. They worshiped together as a family. The Bible says they went up to Jerusalem like they did all the time. And I love this about them as a couple. They left their kids at church. They left Jesus at church. I mean, oh, that's a good Christian couple right there. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I just couldn't help but notice that in that account. And so this, this account, I'm finishing up, this account here really teaches us about honor, agreement, and direction. And that's what the Lord wants for our lives. He wants us, but first of all, it starts before you're married. You've got to come to a place where you honor God, that you're in agreement with the Lord, and you're understanding His will for your life, and that you have a direction. And when you meet somebody that's like that, amen, the Bible says there is this 
really good pair going on. There is this joining together. And so we look at Mary and Joseph close this out by saying that their lives before marriage and after marriage was about loving, honoring, and doing God's will together. That's what it was about. It wasn't about self-serving. It wasn't about, well, you believe one thing, I believe another. It wasn't about that. It was that we came, they came together. Now, are you always going to agree? No, you're not. Are you always going to see eye to eye? No, you're not. Are you always going to want? That's part of being together. That's part of walking together as a loving couple. Come on, somebody. Respecting and honor and loving each other. I don't know about you, but I want to see God move in our marriages so that we have the spiritual oneness, the strength in our marriages. How many are believing God for your marriage? How many believe in God for the marriages in this city? Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? Amen. I just want to give you a challenge today before we leave. I went a little longer than I wanted, but I just wanted to give you this challenge. Especially uh, today to moms and married couples. And last, last week you gave a challenge to singles, but to moms is that continue to, to lead your family. Continue to be that strength in your home of godliness. Amen. Like Mary, just continue to, to serve God and love God and honor your husband and, or your spouse. And if you're single, continue to honor God in all your ways. Amen. I believe that as we do this, and, and especially as moms, that there is this there's honor that comes from the Lord. There is this favor that comes from the Lord. The Bible says that one of the very first things that the angel said to Mary, you found favor with God. You found favor with God. Well, because she was in the lineage of David? Maybe. Well, because she was the handmaiden of the Lord? Maybe. But there was something in her heart that was towards God that really got honored. God respected. Come on, God really valued that and he favored Mary because of it. That's one of the reasons he favored. Come on, somebody. Amen. He favored her. And so as a mom, we said we can bring favor into our home. We can bring favor into our family. You can do that. Amen. By honoring the Lord, by coming to an agreement. Amen. And then by knowing the direction of your home and your life and your kids. And how many believe that it's so important as a married couple that we come to an agreement? That we really walk together in agreement. That we walk together in oneness and the spiritual intimacy and the spiritual oneness. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. And so I want to challenge you to get together to pray a little bit more. Talk about the things of the Lord a little bit more. Talk about, you know, what God has for your future more. Talk about your dreams and, and, and what God's talking to you about. Just really share some things, spiritual truths together. Come on. I mean, that's good. And then kind of put that challenge out there and maybe pray a little bit more for each other. And, and then it, individual basis when uh, you know, uh, when you're you know at work or you know away from each other just pray that God blesses them overwhelms them just continues to bring not changes them <laughs> but blesses them I want to put that challenge out to you this week that there needs to be this spiritual oneness and this connection and this development in our homes and our atmosphere of our homes and our raising our kids and our just our individual growth and our time together let there be a oneness in the Lord this week Amen. Can, can you lift your hand up and say, I, I might do that. I just might do that. Amen. Amen. While you keep your hand up, can we just pray? Lord, we thank you. And I bless, Lord, all the moms today. I bless all the mothers, Lord, married, single. Lord, we just pray that you're going to bless them abundantly. Bless them with strength. Bless them with the grace of the Lord to do what you've called them to do, what they want to do, what they need to do. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to show your favor in their life like never before. I pray for all the married couples in this room that you would bless them. Bless them, Lord, in their marriage, every, every direction of their marriage, every area of their marriage, every part of their marriage that you would bless them, Lord. And not only do I bless, Lord, the, the marriages in this church, in this building, but I bless all the marriages in this valley. Lord, I pray that you're going to continue to cause married people to stay 
stay together, want to be committed and raise children together. Lord, to adopt children and, and Lord, mentor other children, Lord, that they would show the world that love works. Amen. That God's way is the best way. We pray that you would bless them with strength and finances and resources. And Lord, the, Lord, the grace, Lord, to stay together and be committed together. We just pray that you would continue to strengthen the bonds together, Lord, our unity together, Lord. And Lord, so that the church can grow, so that people can see the glory of God in our lives, not because we're special, but because you are. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in these marriages today. You would be glorified and honored like you were at the beginning in the garden. Lord, we want to honor you in our relationships today. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for this great time together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. God bless you. Amen. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you right after the front. If not, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day.